Now, as we prepare here our uh, Old Testament passage this morning, which is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, I invite us to um, hear a little bit of context, a little background, which will kind of help us understand more about what's going on in this passage. This is a very important passage, especially in this time of the year in Advent, the third Sunday of Advent, when we celebrate joy and recognize the joy that we find in Christ that is allowed by God's revelation to us and God's presence with us. At this time when Isaiah 7 was occurring, which is about 734, 735 B.C., and at this time the superpower, the military superpower of the day was Assyria. And Assyria began a a conquest of the known world. Tiglath-Pileser was the king of Assyria when this conquest began. And his, his goal was to be the ruler of the world. And over time, they ruled much of the world. There was a huge swath across what we would call the Middle East that Assyria controlled. All of these nations and kingdoms were vassal states to Assyria. They paid taxes, tributes, they offered whatever Assyria required, whatever they asked for, these vassal states had to provide or pay a heavy price. At this time in Israel, there were two kingdoms, the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. This occurred after King Solomon passed away and his son was to inherit the kingdom and be the ruler of all of Israel. But the northern tribes, the nine tribes in the north, said we will have no part of this. We want our own king. We don't want the David line anymore. And so there was great division. And we have three tribes in the south that make up Judah and nine tribes in the north that make up Israel. This is the setting that we find in 734, 735 B.C. Now, Assyria has been a superpower for some time. Their their military is spread wide over their ruling kingdom. And at this time, the king of Israel, that is the northern kingdom, and the king of Aram, which is their neighbor to the north, began to think Assyria is spread too wide, too thin. They're becoming weak. Their military is not what it used to be. This is our time to push against Assyria. This is our time to free ourselves from the yoke of this Assyrian empire since they are so weak. We will gather our allies and we will have a a rebellion, a war against Assyria. But Aram and Israel knew they needed Judah. And the king of Judah, that is Ahaz, King Ahaz, had different thoughts. He didn't think the time was right. Politically speaking, militarily speaking, he thought this was a really bad idea. And so he pushed against Aram and he pushed against the king of Israel. And they said, if you don't ally with us, if you don't help us in this war... We're going to wage war on you. We're going to kill you, Ahaz. And we're going to put a king that we want in your place. 
And then Judah will be on our side. Well, this left Ahaz in a really tight spot. He was in a bad place. He was still a vassal of Assyria, still paying tribute and taxes to Assyria. And now he had his neighbors to the north pushing him to push against and rebel against Assyria. At the threat of death. He didn't know what to do. But he knew that Aram and Israel had a really bad idea. And this is where we hear Isaiah step into this picture. Into this picture where Ahaz, fearing for himself and his own life and fearing for his nation and the, the well-being of his nation, this is where God steps in. And I want us to hear how God steps into this hopeless, unwinnable situation for Ahaz. Beginning in verse 3 of chapter 7, let us hear these words. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son, Shear Jehushab, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, because of the fierce anger of Reason and Aram and the son of Remali, because Aram with Ephraim and the son of Remali has plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and cut off Jerusalem and conquer it for ourselves and make the son to build king in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. Within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered, no longer a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remeli. If you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol, or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it is, like I said, so good to be back with you in the house of, of the Lord and to worship and praise, to pray, and just to see your faces, to hear your voices. It's been four weeks. That's a long time. I'm not used to being away four weeks. I didn't like being away for four weeks. But life has a way. 
has a way of throwing curveballs and changes, has a way to turn things on its end and set us in unfamiliar places. But even in all of this upset of four weeks and in the sickness of COVID-19, I want to say on behalf of the Boykin family, on Leanne and myself and Jess, while all three of us were sick, we felt your prayers. We felt your thoughts. We received your cards and your letters, your notes. We received food and meals we never wanted for food. Good food. We thank you for the support and the encouragement, for the advice, for the visits. It meant so much, more than I could ever explain. And as I think about the situation that I was in, in light of Advent and in light of our sermon series on the Incarnation, this episode with COVID-19 could not have come at a better time because it informed me of so much. And as the psalmist tells us today in our reading, come and hear the good things that God has done for us. And so I want to, in, in view of that in light of the psalmist, share with you the good things that God has done even in a worldwide pandemic. You know, this passage that we just read from Isaiah chapter 7 can inform us a lot about the situation that we are in. The king, king Ahaz, the king of, of, of Judah, saw an unwinnable situation. He was backed in a corner, had no way out. Whether he went one way or the other, he was bound to lose. And he knew it. As he looked to his neighbors to the north, they wanted him dead. As he looked to the, the empire that was in control of everything, they wanted him to stay right where, he, right where he is, under their boot, under their thumb. This was a very unpleasant outlook. The world was dark. The world was scary. The world was extremely frightening and unknown. What is a king to do? When there are death threats and death wishes and an army that just wants to suppress. He didn't know what to do. And God stepped in through his prophet. And he offered these words that we find throughout the scriptures. Words that hold promise for us, that, that hold strength for us, that hold faith for us. When Isaiah tells King Ahaz, do not be afraid. Do not let your heart be troubled. We hear that through and through the scriptures. When God approaches humanity, 
in our darkest days, His first words to us are, Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them tremble. Be quiet and be still. And then He goes on. And He offers this word. He offers this promise that we celebrate in Advent when Isaiah tells Ahaz that there's a young woman who is pregnant and she will bear a son and his name will be Emmanuel. God is with us. What a powerful sign for Ahaz, for Judah, and for the world and for us. Ahaz, backed in a corner, in an unwinnable situation, receives the word to be still, be quiet, don't be afraid, don't let your heart tremble. And know that God is with you. And your faith will sustain you. And these firebrands that wage threats against you will not stand. Now this passage in chapter 7 probably occurs around 734-735 B.C. And in this passage we're told that this son who will know good versus evil and will know how to choose good over evil, and by the time the child knows how to do that, these firebrands, these nations who wage threats against Judah will no longer be a threat. And you know by 720, by the year 720 B.C., those two nations were utterly destroyed by Assyria. No longer a threat to Judah. And as I think about how God was with Ahaz in Judah, as Ahaz found the faith to stand. Even as he was confused, even as he was ignorant of what was going on, and even as he was so afraid, he found enough faith to stand. And God took care of it. With the promise of Emmanuel. You know, when I hear this phrase, and maybe it's true for you too, when I hear this phrase, Emmanuel, and, and the, about this young woman or, in, in, or a virgin who will bear a son, I, I go to Matthew. I go to the Advent story. I go to the Christmas story that we find in Matthew. Because that's where I typically read this. But I want to caution us to hang on to the fact that the sign that was given in chapter 7 was a sign that was given to Ahaz and to the people of Judah. It was in a real time and in a real place. A young woman bore a son. And that son was raised up. And by the time that son knew right from wrong, God had taken care of Judah. And Matthew is the only writer, not Mark, not Luke, and not John, who grabbed a hold of this phrase 
and said, this is not only true for Ahaz and Judah, but it's true for us. As God reveals God's self, as the incarnate divine that we find in Jesus Christ, Matthew lays out this beautiful, beautiful introduction of who Jesus is. If we look at, if we look at chapter 1 in, in, in Matthew, we find that Matthew lays out a series of names, titles, uh, faith understandings of who Jesus really is. In chapter 1, in verse 1, he's, he offers an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, that is the Christ, the Anointed One, the son of David, that is the one who would fall in the line of the King David, the son of Abraham, the one who would fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, the promise made to, to Abraham. He goes on to say that, that, that Joseph will name his son Jesus because Jesus will save his people. And then he goes, continues, and he says... When he recalls chapter 7 of Isaiah, Matthew says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Matthew in chapter 1 lays out this beautiful introduction of his understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And he settles in on this one phrase where we only find a couple of times in the scriptures this being the one that's most familiar to us. When he calls Jesus Emmanuel, this is the key phrase for Matthew. That God is with us. And he will refer to this even later throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospel of Matthew. Matthew will constantly refer to God's presence with us. And in chapter 28 and verse 20, he has Jesus speaking to his disciples following the resurrection. And he says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So beginning in chapter 1 and reading all the way through chapter 28, we have this understanding of Matthew. That in Jesus Christ, we have the incarnation of God. The very reflection, identical reflection of God in our midst, present with us, no matter the time and no matter the place. From the time of King Ahaz, who faced world domination by the Assyrians, destruction by his neighbors, and with Joseph and his people, when Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know and we celebrate that God is with us through Jesus Christ. And today, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and all that means to us, when we have to wear masks in worship, when we have virtual only worship services, when we are, when our business life changes, when our family life changes, when our holidays change, when people we know are sick and people we know die from this pandemic, 
when the whole world seems hemmed in a corner in an unwinnable situation. God is with us. And that is why we can light the candle of joy today. Because no matter what happens, no matter where we are in life, no matter how bad things get, or how good things have been, God is with us and will be with us to the end of the age. And for that, I celebrate. And for that, I recognize in my own experience of being sick for four weeks that I felt the incarnation of God through you. Through those cards and those calls, those thoughts and prayers, through the food and the meals, the visits, the encouragement, the advice. All of that, all that you have done and continue to do are tangible signs of the incarnation of God, the body of Christ. And for that I celebrate. I look at the candle of joy and I laugh. Because you are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And one last thing I want to mention as I close is that we've been receiving you know, Christmas cards and get well cards and best wishes and thoughtful cards. And we've also been receiving the Joseph Project cards, which are to me, just, you know, those are, those are powerful testaments of the incarnation of God. When you think about receiving that card, you know someone has thought about you. Someone has thought seriously about you. And they care about you, and they send you a card. But in that card, not only are you receiving that thought, and that concern, and that grace, but you're also you know that there is hope being offered to a community that is hungry. Because the proceeds from those cards are going to help feed people. This is just another way that Ashen Place is found to be the body of Christ. To live out the incarnation, which is Emmanuel, God with us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.